36. And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and he said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac and of Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel and that I am thy servant and that I have done all these things at thy word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that thou art the Lord their God and that thou hast turned their heart back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, The Lord, he is the God, the Lord, he is the God. And Elijah said unto them, Take the prophets of Baal, let not one of them escape. And they took them and Elisha brought them down to the brook Kishon and slew them there. And Elijah said unto Ahab, Get thee up and drink, for there is the sound of abundance of rain. Friends, I want to ask you this morning, can he do it again? Can he do it one more time? Can God, friends, turn the hearts of the people back once again? The prophet said, Hear me, O Lord, hear me that this people may know that thou art the Lord God and that thou hast turned their hearts back again. You see, I still believe he can do it again this morning. I still believe there's a God of all power on the throne in heaven. I still believe there's a risen, exalted, glorified Savior who's sitting on the throne this morning. I still believe there's one that can make a way where there seems no other way. I still believe there's a God that heals and sets free and delivers. I still believe there's a God that can break the chains of sin and set the captive free. I believe he can do it again this morning, friends. I believe he can do it one more time. I still believe he can turn the hearts of the people back to him. But friends, before this ever can happen this morning, we need the fire from heaven to fall. Over these past days and weeks, God has been speaking and conveying something to this heart. And my aim is to share that with you this morning. A few weeks ago, just before Easter, me and Lid were probably at one of the lowest, just one of the lowest points in our Christian walk or in, our, in a long time. The pressure had become that great the battles of the mind were that fierce and intense. We felt like we were at the point of breaking. We were wondering if there was any point in continuing. Wondering if there was any point to all the pressure. Wondering if there was any point to all the struggles. Wondering would it not be easier just to take ourselves off. Friends, is there anybody being there this morning? Is there anybody that's in the battle this morning? Friends, I want to tell you. Friends, everybody is in the battle. But friends, I want to tell you there's a God this morning. That's greater than every battle that you're in. Friends, wondering was there any point to all the struggles but we had planned a trip to Liverpool for Easter and I remember just about a few days it must have been the Wednesday night meeting before we left I remember Tim had called everybody to sit at the front those that were sick and I think Lynn had stepped in for her Auntie Linda. And uh, they started to pray for the sick. And I remember Tricia getting up and she was praying. And I remember praying that the Lord would give us a time of refreshing. That the Lord would give us some sight. And I remember to my downfall, I was thinking to myself, it's never going to happen. But friends, I want to tell you this morning. When I landed, when we landed in that plane in Liverpool on that Friday night, I want to tell you something. The Lord blessed us. From the moment we get off the plane, we had one of the most relaxing times we've ever had as a couple. The weather was great and the peace of God and the love of God began to fill these souls. But as someone who preaches now and again, and Stephen would know this, there's never any such thing as a holiday up here. You're always searching for another message. You're always searching for God to speak. Isn't that right, friends? When you go on a holiday, you think that God's going to suddenly do some great work and do some great speaking into your life, friends. So you're expecting God to speak. You're looking at fresh enlightenment, but you're always searching for a word. You're always longing for God to speak, but nothing was coming all week. God wasn't speaking. God wasn't enlightening his scripture. It got to the point where I thought, oh Lord, if you don't speak, I'm never going to preach again. You're trying to hide it from the wife. You're trying not to spoil the holiday. You're trying to stay positive, but inside you're going, Lord, if you don't speak to me, I'm done. Friends, we were we would often go to Lid's mom's church on a Sunday, a good Pentecostal black 
Bible-believing church friends, but we decided we wouldn't go that Sunday, the second Sunday night, because Lyd and I had always wanted to try one of the wee local assemblies, and Lyd's man had told Lyd times about a, a wee bank hall mission just up the road, and we went to this church on that Sunday night, and and that Sunday night we went to that local meeting and I want to tell you, friends, the Lord spoke to the both of us at the same time, friends, through that simple message and through that simple preacher when Jesus said to Peter, don't you worry about any of that. You, If you love me, you just follow me. And friends, as that week went on and as I began to read his Bible, friends, I went out, we left that meeting and I want to tell you the river of God began to flow in each of our lives. The, the Spirit of God began to move upon all of it, on the both of us. Things began to live. Things began, we began to be able to see. And at the end of that week, as I began to read my Bible and as I began to search his word and as I began to read these verses where the prophet said, Hear me, O Lord, hear me that this people may know that thou art the Lord and that thou hast turned their hearts back again. And then it says, When he prayed, then the fire of the Lord fell. And when the people saw it, they fell on, they fell on their faces. And then they said, The Lord, he is the God. The Lord, he is the God. And the Lord said to me, Brent, I will do it again. I will do it one more time. But the, first of all, the only thing that's going to make it happen is that the fire of God falls once again. Nothing but the fire will do this morning. Verse 41, And Elijah said unto them, Take the prophets of Baal, let not one of them escape. And they took them. And Elijah brought them down to the brook Cushon and slew them there. And Elijah said unto Ahab, Get thee up and drink. For there is the sound of abundance of rain. You see, he got rid of all the weights. He got rid of all the hindrances. He got all rid of all the things. And he said to Ahab, get up and drink. For there's the sign of abundance of rain. What a sign, friends, this morning. What a sign that we can just hear it this morning. The sign of abundance of rain. Aren't we longing to hear that sign once again this morning? Isn't the church crying out? For the rains of revival to fall once again this morning. That should be the cry of this heart this morning. Lord, would you send the rains of revival on the land. That the hearts of the people might be turned back again once to you. You see, they've been in a drought for such a long time. Everything was down. The trees were down. The animals were down. The crops were down. And But God gives them what they need. They needed abundant rain. Praise God. God will always give us. What we need this morning, if we turn in, in repentance and ask him for what we need this morning. I'm telling you, we've been in a spiritual drought for long enough. And I'm praying that God will send the Holy Ghost rain this morning. I'm praying that God will send the abundant rain. Thank God it's the rain that will bring the restoration to the church. It's the rain that will bring the healing to the sick, friends. It's the rain, friends, that will bring deliverance to the captives. You see, I still believe there's a rain from heaven this morning. I still believe there's a balm in Gilead that the church world still needs today. I still believe, friends, there's a river that can't run dry. I still believe in John 7 and verse 37. He said, if any man come unto me, if any man thirst and come unto me out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water, friends. I still believe this is something that is going to happen in this day. I still want it to happen in my day. Don't you? I want to see the power of God move again. I want to see his presence manifested among us. But friends, before anything happens, there has to be the fire and then the rain. Friends, if there's ever a day we needed revival, I want to tell you today is that day. If there was ever a day we needed the river of God to flow, I want to tell you today is that day. If there's ever a day, friends, when, the great, when there's a great apostasy and the love of many is waxing cold, today is that day. And a day when God is judging the nation because of idolatry, the church needs the rains of revival to fall once again. God said there'll be no rain or dew for three years according to my word. Listen, folks, God doesn't take pleasure in judgment this morning. But friends, this was God's judgment on the people for their idolatry. Friends, are we not living in that day this morning? There's no rain. Everything's dry. Everything's barren. The heavens are as brass. Friends, I want to tell you, God is passing his judgment upon the nation, friends. But I want to tell you this morning, the story doesn't end there. It's not the end with God, friends. God says there's a good forecast 
for the church this morning. The clouds of grey and disappointment might be all around you. Gloom and doom might be everywhere that you look. But he says this morning, look out. Look at those grey clouds because for my church I'm forecasting a great and abundant rain this morning. I thank you this morning there's abundant rain with Jesus this morning. They couldn't sow their crops. They couldn't provide for their families. Cattle were dying. The brooks were dying up. There was only death that was sweeping across the land. And friends, as it was in the days of Elijah, so it will be in our day if we don't have a remove, a revival or a move of God in this day. If we don't get a hold of God today, death is going to follow tomorrow. Friends, we need a revival again in this church so that the island of Ireland and Ulster may know that the Lord is the one true God, that they would cry out, the Lord, he is the God, he is the God. There was no moves of the Spirit outside of what God would do through Elijah. But I'm thankful this morning the story doesn't end there. I'm thankful it doesn't stop there. God says there's a good forecast this morning. You look at those clouds. I want to tell you, friends, they're full of rain. First Kings 18 and verse 1 says, It came to pass that after many days that the word of the Lord came on the Elijah in the third day, in the third year, saying, Go and show thyself on the Ahab, and I will send rain upon the earth. God said, Elijah, it's time for me to show my power. It's time. For me to send abundant rain. It's time for me to work in my people once again. And friends, can we not echo like the psalmist this morning? Lord, is it not time again for thee to work? Do we not need God to move once again in our lands? Friends, are we ready for the one true God to stand up this morning? Are we ready for God to stand up and show himself powerful once again in this powerless generation? Friends, I'm ready for the one true God to send rain upon the earth once again. You may be as dry as a bone in your spirit this morning. While the hedge may be dry as the Sahara Desert, our generation might be dry, but if God will just send the rain this morning, everything of the spiritual atmosphere will change and everything will be different all around us. That's our only hope this morning, that if God would just send the rain, if God would send the Holy Ghost upon his people once again and let the rains of revival fall, once again in this land God said go to Elijah today's the day I'll manifest my power Elijah get up and go because today is the day I'm going to send the abundance of rain it tells us that he showed we know the story well it tells us that he showed himself on the Ahab and he said gather them all together get all the false prophets of Baal and gather all the children of Israel also the prophet gathered them together and he said unto all the people, How long will you halt between two opinions? How long will you straddle the fence? How long will you try to play both ends of the field? He said, If the Lord be God, we follow him, but of Baal, be God, follow him. And he said, Get two bullocks. And he says, You sacrifice yours unto the Lord. He's speaking to God's people. And he's speaking to the Baal worshippers. They're mingling it all together, friends. He says, Will you get your sacrifice? You get your bull and you you sacrifice it unto your God. And I'll keep my sacrifice, he says. And I'll sacrifice mine unto the Lord. But he says, let the God that answereth by fire, let him be God. It says in verse 26, and they took the bullock which was given them and they dressed it. And called on the name of Baal from morning until noon, saying, O Baal, hear us. But there was no voice nor any that answered. And there was none that regarded. And it says, they leaped upon the altar which was made. And also as their custom was, the Bible says they cut themselves and blood gushed out of them. It says they leaped upon the altar. They shouted, they screamed, they danced. Friends, does that sound familiar in the churches of the day, friends? Are they not standing on the altar and they're screaming and they're dancing and they're leaping, friends? I'm sure they had strobe lights, dim lights, every other kind of lights. But they're calling on their God, friends. And I want to tell you, the God that they're calling on to, he is not answering from morning to evening, the time of the evening sacrifice, they called upon Baal, but he did not answer. Friend, as the world cries out to their God, I can tell you this morning, the gods of this world will never answer one single prayer. The Muslims can call in the name of Muhammad from now to eternity. They'll never get one prayer answered. The Buddhists can pray to their little chubby naked Buddha from now to eternity. He'll never answer one prayer. He'll never show up. 
and he'll never perform one miracle. But I'm so glad we have a God this morning who hears and answers prayer. A God that never sleeps or never slumbers. A God whose ear is not too heavy that he cannot hear or his arm is not too short that he cannot reach. And it tells us and he tells us in the midnight hour when we need him the most. And friends, when life and death hang in the balance. The Bible says we can call on the name of the Lord our God. And he will answer in the middle of our calamity. He says call of me in the day of trouble. And I will answer thee. I call on me in the day of trouble. And I'll deliver you and I'll show you great and mighty things. I thank you there's a name this morning that we can call upon. And it's a name above every name. It's the name of Jesus this morning. Thank God the Bible says his eye is upon us. And his ear is open to our cry. We serve the one and the true living God this morning. He still has the power to hear and answer on our behalf. He still has the power to help you in your deepest need this morning. He still has the power to heal your body. He still has the power to pluck you from the clutches of the wicked one. We serve a God who hears and answers prayer this morning. They cried all night. And not one prayer went through. And Elijah stands up and he draws a line in the sand. And he says, enough. Enough of all the foolishness. Enough of all the games. Enough of all the gimmicks. Enough of all the religious routines. He says, it's time for the Lord to work. It's time for the sovereign God of the universe to move on our behalf. He says, I'm ready for the rain. He says, I'm ready for the refreshing part of God to fall once again. Is there any Elijahs in the house this morning that are hungry for rain? Are there any Elijahs that are ready for the move of God, that are saying we're tired of Baal worshippers having their heyday, that are sick of the liberals and what they're trying to push down our throats under the guise of equal rights. Are there any that are tired of the mockery that the televangelists are making of Pentecost, friends, and they're calling it what they will, friends? I'm ready for a move of God that'll sweep our homes, that'll sweep our church, and that'll sweep our lands this morning. And I'm saying, God, is it not time again for thee to work? It was God's will to send rain. It was God's will for Elijah to stand up on behalf of the one true God. But before this would happen, there were some things that Elijah had to do. There were some things that Elijah had to put in order. It says in verse 30 that he called the people near and he built an altar in the name of the Lord. You see, friends, it would have been politically correct. For Elijah to build a generic altar. An altar that suited everybody. Because there were Baal worshippers there. There were witch doctors there. There were all types of people worshipping false and pagan gods. It would have been politically correct for Elijah to have built a generic altar. And Elijah to pray upon that altar. That's not what, that's what they want us to do. I mean you can pray a prayer. But don't pray in the name of Jesus. I mean you can gather in a little room. In the airport, it's okay. And you mean you can just pray a prayer where the Muslims feel something. Pray a prayer that the Buddhists are satisfied with. But don't you dare pray a prayer in the name of the Lord your God. Don't you ever pray a prayer in the name of Jesus. Don't mention the name of Jesus. It says, friends, when he built an altar unto the Lord. Elijah was not concerned with political correctness. Elijah wasn't concerned about what Baal thought of him. Elijah wasn't concerned about what Baal worshippers thought of him when he erected his altar. It says he built his altar in the name of the Lord his God. Not the Baal, not the Buddha, not the Muhammad, but the Jehovah God. In a society where people are saying there's many ways to heaven and we've got to be politically correct, it's time to rebuild those altars once again in Jesus' name. The Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end, the author and the finisher of our faith. People will say, but you need to build an altar that will lead people on whatever path they're on to make it to heaven. But friends, I want to tell you, there's only one path to heaven. And that's a path, a highway of holiness, and it goes straight through the cross of Calvary and the blood of Jesus Christ. I don't care what Joel Austin tries to tell us. I don't want, I don't care what Oprah Winfrey tries to push through, friends. There's only one way to make it to God, and it's through the Son of Jesus Christ. There's only one way to make it to heaven, and his name is Jesus this morning. You see, the first condition we must make if we're ever going to see revival is that we must build the altars once again. But not only in our churches, we must rebuild the altars again 
in our homes this morning, friends. Friends, I tell you, this is spoken to me. Friends, right, revival isn't going to come any other way. It's not going to come through self-help. It's not going to come through our best efforts. Revival has only ever come by people laying themselves on an altar and calling on God to move once again. You see, Elijah was a man that prayed. Jesus, James tells us that he was a man of like passions, the same as we were. But it says he prayed earnestly that it might not rain for the space of three and a half years. That doesn't mean he just prayed hard one time that it wouldn't rain, but he prayed for his nation every day. He prayed for his church every day. I believe he prayed for his lost loved ones every day. And until he saw genuine repentance, I believe his prayer was, Oh God, will you deal with them? Oh God, will you change their mind? Oh God, will you do something to show them that they need to be born again? Oh God, will you do something to show them that they need to be saved lest they perish for all of eternity? Friends, I believe he prayed every day this morning. The Bible says he rebuilt and he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. Friends, I want to tell you, my heart was dealt with. My heart's been dealt with right here. God said, friend, if it hadn't rained, if it hadn't rained for three and a half years, I mean, if you hadn't felt one drop of water, if in all that time you hadn't felt an, anoint, an ounce of the anointing of God, if nobody's being saved, if nobody's being healed, if nobody's being baptized in the Holy Ghost in three years, do you suppose that any of that would have caused you to come at some point and kneel at an altar and call for God for his mercy and his grace? Do you suppose, God said, that anybody prayed in that day? The Bible says he had to repair the altar of the Lord that was broken down. Their crops failed, their animals died, their babies perished, but nobody prayed. B.H. Clendenin says, friends, we live in a country that doesn't want to pray. He says often they don't want it in the schoolhouse. They don't want it in the White House. They don't want it in the courthouse. And if the devil can put enough entertainment around you, he wants to take it out of your house. He said we've got preachers today. Jesus called them hirelings. We've got preachers that take the altars out. We've got preachers that don't give altar calls. And don't call for prayer meetings and scoff at times of prayer and fasting and revivals and camp meetings. Friends, they don't want, he says, they don't even want you to pray either. But it says, he built an old, it built it according to the word of the Lord. Friends, prayer isn't an option this morning. Prayer is a command from God. He, Jesus said, men ought always to pray and not faint. He said that this morning. For us to see revival and the reins of revival to fall again in our churches, we have to rebuild the altars. Every revival that has ever been birthed, it's been birthed at an altar. It wasn't birthed in a book, Seven Steps to Revival. It wasn't birthed in a book, A Better Life Now. No, any revival ever birthed, even in our own lives, was birthed in travail and anguish and prayer before God, crying and praying unto God, crying and praying unto God, crying and praying unto God until he moved on our behalf. What makes us think, friends, in the 21st century that it's going to come any other way? It says, so according to the word of God, the law of Moses, Elijah took 12 stones rep representing the 12 tribes, and there he built an altar. And then the second thing that he did, he said, bring the bullock, and he cut it in pieces. You see, friends, not only should we rebuild the altars in our lives, but there must be a sacrifice upon the altars again. Why did Elijah cut the bullocks in pieces? It said he did it according to the law. Leviticus 1 and verse 6 says, And he shall flay the burnt offering and cut it into pieces, and the son of Aaron the priest shall put fire upon it and lay the wood upon the fire. But the problem with this altar was, friends, that there was no fire. God was going to have to send the fire. Christ was going to have to be the high priest. Christ was going to have to send the fire. And if I read my Bible right, Christ is the one that says, I'll baptize you in the Holy Ghost and with fire this morning. Friends, we need the fire of God to fall again. We need a touch of fire once again in these lives. Charles Wesley said, get on fire for God. 
and the world will come to watch you burn. That's what will heal our families. That's what will give deliverance to the captive. That's what will bring joy and peace to these lives. You see, fire excites and fire attracts. You put a fire engine up through that time, friends. By the time you get there, I tell you, everybody will be watching that fire burning. There's a man that comes to this church sometimes. His nickname's Nino. Because, friends, by the time the fire engine gets to the fire, he's already there watching it. Friends, fire excites people. Fire attracts, but friends, before that ever happens, we must get all of our lives upon the altars once again. Romans 12 and verse 1 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. God saying through the Apostle Paul here, friends, he's saying, friends, he's saying, I beg you and beseech you, friends, he uses the strongest word he can use. He says, I beseech you that you give yourself to me as an animated offering unto God. He wants the totality. He wants our bodies. He wants the totality. And he wants the entirety. But he says, friends, he says, I want you to give your life to me as an animated offering any other time. You see this word beseech in scripture. It's where men are begging God. Moses cried out to God, I beseech you, Lord. I beg you, would you show me your glory? I'm begging you, men, would come and say to God, I beseech you. I beg you if I find mercy or grace in your sight, will you heal me? I'm begging you, Lord, will you hear me when I pray? But in Romans chapter 12 and verse 1, God is begging his church to come back to the altar once again. He's saying, friends, to his church, this thing's just about over with. He's saying the end of the age has come upon us. He's saying we're living in the last hours, but he's saying it's crunch time for me and it's crunch time for you. God says, I'm desperate to see souls saved. He says, I'm desperate to pour out my spirit upon all flesh. I'm desperate to show this world that I'm still God. But I'm begging you, will you give me your life? I'm begging you, will you lay it upon the altar? I'm begging you, will you let me take you in my hands and let me use me, let me use you for my glory. Friends, we got to get our lives upon the altar again for God. You see, not only should we rebuild the altars in our lives, but there must be a sacrifice upon the altar for God. Elijah's sacrifice was a bullock, but I can tell you our sacrifice must be fasting and praying. You know, Tim said it in the leaders' meeting the other, the other night, the last meeting we had, says this type doesn't come out, but by prayer and fasting. This is something, it says not only did he rebuild the altar, and lay a sacrifice upon it. The third thing that he did. It says he poured water upon the sacrifice. This is something I found very strange. For three and a half years. There had been no rain. They didn't have an abundance of water available in the land. But the sacrifice was laid upon the altar. And he said fill me four barrels with water. And pour it upon the burnt sacrifice in the wood. He said do it again. So that was eight barrels of water. Then he said, do it again, and that was 12, and I don't have enough fingers. But he says, do it again, and that was 12 barrels of water. He was watering down the sacrifice. He was watering down the wood, and I'd always thought, and I'm sure many of us have, that he was doing this so that there was no man-made manipulation of the fire that was going to fall. But that couldn't be the case, because I believe, why was he pouring, Elijah pouring water on the sacrifice? Because I believe this morning that this wasn't actually regular tap water or river water. But I believe this was ocean water from the Mediterranean Sea that was right by where they were. Because in Leviticus 2 and verse 13, God gave a command of the offering, the meat offering that was be given to him. And he says, In every oblation of the meat offering shalt thou season with salt, neither shalt thou, salt the, shalt thou suffer the salt of the covenant of God. To be lacking from thy meat offering with all thine offerings, thou shalt offer salt. Elijah knew if the offering, if it was to be acceptable by God, there had to be salt that was laid upon it. If his offering was to be accepted, he had to follow every commandment of God down to the smallest detail. Elijah was obedient to be, to be careful, to be obedient to every one of God's words. Friends, if we're ever going to see revival in our generation, we're going to have to see the rains we're going to see the rains of revival fall. We, like Elijah, must be obedient to every detail of God's word. 
We must go back to the book. We can't just pick and choose what we believe. But if we are to see revival, every jot and every tittle must be applied to our hearts from Genesis to Revelation. His word must be fulfilled in our lives. Came across this verse the other day, Deuteronomy 32 and verse 1. Give ear, O ye heavens, and I will speak and hear. O earth, the words of my mouth. My doctrine shall drop as the rain. My speech shall distill as the dew and as the small rain upon the tender herb and as the showers upon the grass. God gave them a promise. If you'll obey my word, if you'll hold fast to the word of God, my doctrine shall be as rain. My speech shall be as dew and the small rain upon the tender herb. But friends, the church can have rain and you and I can have rain if we hold fast to the doctrine of the word of God. Many are trying to do away with doctrine. Many are trying to do away with the word of God. But friends there's some things. That are worth holding on to. There are some things that are worth fighting for. Friends I want to tell you. Friends the word is worth holding on to. Friends God's promises are worth laying hold of this morning. Like Shammah in the day of, Phil- of the Philistines. The devil is trying to rob us. Of our little lentil patch. He's trying to rob the church. The Pentecostal church of their little patch. Of peas. Listen to me this morning. Trying to rob us of our little patch of peas. But not the peas as in the vegetable. The peas is in the letter. The peas of prayer. prayer, Friends he's trying to rob us. Of prayer this morning. Friends I want to tell you this morning. That prayer is worth holding on to. He's trying to rob us of our praise. Friends I want to tell you this morning. Keep singing a joyful noise unto the Lord. The prayer He's trying to rob us of the pea of the preaching of God's word. But friends, I want to tell you the preaching of God's word. This gospel that Paul said is the power of God on the salvation. He's trying to rob us of our passion. He's trying to rob us of our purity. Friends, they're even trying to rob us of Pentecost this morning. They're trying to rob us of the power. But Jesus said, ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Devil's trying to rob us of the promises of God that that we shall be filled with the Holy Ghost and with power. Trying to rob us of the promise of revival. Trying to rob us of the promises of our loved ones, friends. Trying to rob us of the promise that will be the repair of the breach of them that come to pass to dwell in, friends. Trying to rob us of the promise of 500 souls. But friends, some things are worth fighting for this morning. Some things are worth holding on to. And the Bible says, stand fast in the evil day and hold on to the word of God. He put the offering on the sacrifice on the altar. He covered it with salt and then it says he began to pray. He stands up and he prays 63 words. 63 words was all it took to get heaven's attention. 63 words and he touched heaven but most of all heaven came down and touched him. You see friends something happens when the fire falls. 1 Kings 18 and 39 and when all the people saw it they fell on their faces And they said, the Lord, he is the God. The Lord, he is the God. You see, something happens when the fire falls. Men and women will acknowledge God. And there will be healings and miracles and signs and wonders among the believers. For it tells us when the day of Pentecost was fully come, it says they were all of one accord and in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from his heaven as of a mighty rushing wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. Something happened, friends, when the fire fell. Something always happens when the fire comes. What kind of effect did it have on the people in that day? Sinners cried out to God and said, Men and brethren, what must we do to be saved? Peter answered that call and said, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. For the remission of sin and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. I'll tell you it'll happen every time. Sinners will cry out. What must I do to be saved? I'm saying Lord will you do it one more time. I'm hungry for another wave of his glory. I want to know and I want our young people to know friends this morning. I want them to know the real true fire of Pentecost. And what it's all about. Friends can he do it again? I believe that he can and that he will. But friends, I want to tell you this is where I've been going this morning. I'm not going to be much longer. The promise wasn't the fire. The promise was the rain. The fire was a demonstration of God's power. 
to turn the people back to him. But the promise wasn't the fire. It was the rain. It was one thing to see a display of God's power. It takes a mighty God to deliver a man. It takes a mighty powerful God to set a man free from drink or drugs. It takes a mighty God to set a man free. But friends, the, that isn't what will answer the colic cry of the church. We need the rains of revival to fall once again. Rain that will come and heal our land. The rain that everyone's thirsting for. You see a good sermon here and there won't do it. A good gospel choir won't do it. These things are good, but in themselves they won't stop the cry of your soul and mine. Lord, let the rains of revival fall. The rain is what we need. It, it, it's what New Testament church needs, and it's what the church needs as a whole today. The promise wasn't the fire. The promise was the rain. The Bible tells us that Elijah heard something. He heard something that he hadn't heard for three and a half years. He heard the sound of, of abundance of rain. How refreshing that must have been for Elijah to hear a sound that had long since gone. A sound that had maybe passed by. A sound that had maybe only been in his memory for three and a half years. Many times he probably wondered if I could just hear that sound again. Many times he probably said, I can remember what it used to sound like. I remember when God used to touch my soul. I remember when it was refreshed and when it was revived and when it was vigorous and had a zeal for the Lord. The former rain when it would fall, friends, and the latter rain when it would fall together upon the earth. If I could just hear that again, everything Elijah probably said would be all right. If I could just have the rains, God would just touch my heart once again, everything would be all right. But friends, hearing the sound for Elijah wasn't enough because even though he heard the sound of abundant rain, Elijah was still in a drought. See, friends, I can stand at this altar this morning, at this pulpit this morning, and I can preach all day about the rains of revival. I can see them in the distance, friends, but friends, that will not touch you very far because you need the rains of revival for yourself. Because even though we heard the sound of abundant rain, Elijah was still in a drought, and just because you see or just because you hear the sound of rain doesn't mean that you're actually experiencing the rain from yourself. I came across this illustration when I was studying this out of a man when he said when he was a young man and he worked in the hay fields with his granddad as he labored in those big hay fields in America when it was scorching and blistering hot, he would often pray real hard for the rain to come. Because he knew if the rain would come, he would get at least 10 or 15 minutes break before he would have to work again and while the rain passed by. But he could say it would be, he would say that it could be as dry as the Sahara Desert where you were. It could be raining everywhere around you. Black clouds would fill the sky. It could be pouring down everywhere else, but not one drop would fall where he was. He says he remembers one day as he was bailing that hay. Out in the field, it was as hot as it could be. He said it was raining all around them. He said he was praying for rain to fall where they were. He says his granda was probably praying also for it not to. He said his granda must have been praying harder because he says a whole circle around that hayfield, it rained on every inch but where they were. Friends, why am I saying this this morning? Because you can hear the sounds of abundant rain and still be dry right where you are. You can hear of God moving on somebody else miraculously this morning, but it can still be as dry as the Sahara where you are this morning. You can hear God, somebody give a testimony about how God has given them revival in their situation, but you're still as desperate as you've ever been. You can hear of somebody getting a financial blessing, but still be as broke as you were the week before. But friends, Elijah said, I refuse to be content with just hearing the sound of rain. I'm going to pray until I feel the rain and I've experienced the rain for myself, friends. Elijah made up his mind and said, I'm not going to be content with this sound, but I'm going to pray until I experience something of the rain of myself. Even though he could hear the sound, he refused to quit praying until he felt it 
for himself. And I've just come this morning to tell somebody, don't give up praying for the reins of revival on your life. When somebody else was testifying about the healing part of God and you yourself might be in the driest spot you've ever been wondering if God ever hears your prayers, don't quit praying because the reins of revival this morning can meet you right where you are. Elijah said, I'm not satisfied with the sound, but I'm going to keep praying until I've experienced it for myself. The promise is for abundant rain this morning, friends. When God does something, it's not just little. When God does something, it's not just here or there. And it's more and more and more. I hear the sound of abundance of rain. You see, Elijah said, thank you, Lord, for the great miracle that I've seen. Thank you, Lord, that you sent the fire. But, Lord, your promise, your promise was rain. And he gets, he gets the young servant boy. He says, we've got some finished, unfinished business. He takes that unservant boy and he continues. He does what he's always been doing for three and a half years. He gets up on Mount Carmel and he buries his head between his legs like a wee Indian. And he begins to pray for the sign of abundance of rain. Friends, we need to pray this morning. We need to keep praying because the promise for the church. Friends, I want to tell you, we've already been promised the baptism in the Holy Ghost. Jesus said you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. But he said in Joel chapter 2 that he'll pour out his spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your daughter, your servants, friends. They will have pour out my spirit upon them. Friends, it's about our sons and our daughters this morning. When God does something, it's not just here or there. But when God does something, it's more than we could ever ask or think. Church, he says, I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. Church, can you hear it? We've been praying for it. We've been crying for it. We've been asking and seeking God. Lord, will you move us? Will you touch us one more time? I want to tell you, God's going to do it one more time. But friends, we have to keep praying. And we have to keep trusting God. Notice it was after he heard the sound, he went to the top of Mount Carmel, did what he always did, and he buried his head between his knees, and he began to pray. He says unto his servant, now go up, look out onto the sea. The hearts of the people, Lord, the hearts of the people have been turned back again. I've rebuilt the altar. I've done everything that you said, but you've promised, you've promised that you'd send the rain. He says to his servant, go you up and have a look. The servant goes up and he has a look. He comes back to Elijah and he says, I don't see anything. But friends, that's the thing that we do so often. The first time God doesn't answer, we quit and give up. But friends, I believe this morning God's trying to teach us something. He's trying to teach us that we don't quit. If we'll continue to seek him, if we'll believe him for marvelous things, if we'll believe him for souls, if we'll believe him for our homes, if we'll believe him for our churches, if we'll believe him for our children, if we'll believe him for our family. Friends, I believe him. Friends, if we believe him, it might not come right away. But don't stand back and say he didn't answer. Friends, God's going to do it one more time because his promise is rain. Elijah tells his servant, go back. He goes back. Nothing. There's nothing. Don't stop. Go back. There's nothing. Go back the fourth time. There's nothing. Go back a fifth time. There's nothing. Go back a sixth time. There's still nothing. It might take year after year, but I don't see nothing, Elijah. But the promise is rain. The number seven prophet says, go back the seventh time. The number seven, God's number of completion. God's number of perfection. Friends, don't quit. Don't give up. For when he went back the seventh time, he says he saw the cloud. The size of a man's hand. Friends, keep trusting. Keep believing. There's a seventh time coming for you. Moses had to stand before Pharaoh seven times. Joshua marched around the walls of Jericho seven times. And on the seventh day, the walls fell. Naaman had to go and dip in the water seven times. Friends, there's a seventh day coming for you this morning. Don't quit. Don't give up. And keep asking God. Keep believing for your family. Keep believing for revival. 
Keep believing for 500 souls. Keep believing for the baptism in the Holy Ghost. Sandra, keep believing for your sister in Australia. Keep believing for Amira's healing. Paula, keep believing for your healing. You see, it's so easy, so easy to worry about someone else. But keep believing for your healing. Rebecca, keep believing for your dad. And Mark, Elaine, keep believing for all your family. Christine, keep believing for Liverpool. Keep believing for your sisters. Keep believing for your cousins and your nieces and your nephews. Because the seventh day, Lord, the Lord's about to send the reins of revival. And a great agony gathering of all those souls is about to come in. And if I've missed anybody this morning, keep believing for whatever it might be. Elijah said, I've repaired the altar and the people's hearts have been turned back to God. Keep looking because God said there's going to be rain. And on the seventh time he looked over the sea and all of a sudden that he said, I can see it. I can see it in the distance. It's a small cloud. It's the size of a man's hand. But I want to tell you this something, friends. I want to tell you something this morning. I can see. I can see this morning a cloud the size of a man's hand. Nearly 10 years ago, this is actually nearly 10 years ago, as I sat in that school of Christ, only four weeks saved, didn't know which part of me was up or down, wasn't even sure, I remember Nikki in the old building, she says, my friend, do you know you're saved? And I wasn't sure, friends, you had given my life to the Lord, you was trusting in him, you was believing in him. You wanted to give him a life, you that had repented of my sin, you didn't want to live that life anymore. Knew that it, the life I lived was the consequences of my sin, but the answer was Jesus Christ. I just wanted to give him all of this life. As I sat in that school of Christ down in Limerick all, all those years ago, sitting in that front seat, I was that tired, I was falling out of my seat with exhaustion, falling forward. Friends, there was nothing but loopers, I thought, all around me. Big Derek Lawless, he was up in front of me, banging on the walls, praying. There was, what did you call that boy with the glasses? Cool one. Oh, Emmett. Um, he was running from the black ladies across the room because they were manifesting or something. All these loopers all around me. Later that week then I moved to the back of the room, found a wee radiator to lie on, put my arm on me, and fall asleep halfway through the meetings. And it didn't really take in much of all that week. The lid says, you know, someone says it's like a fire extinguisher. There's near too much for you to take in. But just after about that first week as I was seeking God, there was a week, there was a series on faith. And in that series, Brother Clendenin says, you have the same faith as Abraham, as Isaac, as Peter, and as the Apostle Paul. And from that moment on, something clicked. The faith and the love of God filled this heart. Yeah. And I believe he gave me a great ability to take him at his word. Take his word by faith. Believe in the impossible. Move upon it and by faith see great results. Friends, I've seen God move through his word in my early walk like I've never seen him before. I just take his word, act upon it when he spoke to my heart. Speak to me, speak to me out in the street. He would speak to me everywhere. And I'd just take him at his word and I'd believe it and I'd see amazing results. I've seen it the whole way through my early walk. But along the way, there's been clouds of discouragement, clouds of despair and doubt. But friends, I want to tell you this morning, I've been in his word. And I can see for the first time in a long time, I can see the cloud the size of a man's hand. I can see it once again for Battle in the Hinch. I can see once again for revival. I can see once again for 500 souls, Stephen. I can see once again... For your family, I can see for Joanna's healing. I can see for Amira's healing. I can see for a great move of God that's going to sweep this land. I can see that the rains of revival are going to fall. He saw the cloud of a size of the size of a man's hand. But guess what? Verse 45 says, It came to pass. It came to pass that the heaven was black with clouds and wind, and there was a great rain. Friends, there was a great rain. It might look small now, but the Bible says don't despise the day of small things. You see, it's not just a small rain. It might have started out small, but when it got there, the Bible says, what does it say? It doesn't say it was a small rain. It doesn't say it was maybe a medium-sized rain. It says it was a great rain. Friends, God saves the best for last. 
Soon we're going to see this gospel go forth, not just to Ballin the Hinch, not just the Ireland or Ulster, but all nations. Keep praying, keep asking, keep singing, keep believing. There was a great rain. Elijah could not only hear the sound, he could not only see a cloud, but he felt the raindrops of revival falling upon his life. He was refreshed, he was revived, and he was renewed. But I just want to finish with this. The promise of rain in God's word. Leviticus 26 says, If you walk in my statutes and keep my commandments and do them, I will give you rain in due season, and the land shall yield her increase. Deuteronomy 11, it says, It shall come to pass if you hearken diligently to my commandments, which I command you this day. I will give you your rain in your land in due season. Is there anybody due some rain this morning? Is this the season for rain? God says, stay in my word. Keep my commandments. That's our part. And then God will do his part. Deuteronomy 28 and 12. The Lord shall open unto thee his good treasure in the heaven. To give thee rain unto thy land in his season. And to bless all the works of thine hand. And thou shalt lend unto many nations. And thou shalt not borrow. First Kings chapter 8. This is the prayer of Solomon when he's dedicating the temple. When he finished the temple and dedicated unto the Lord. It says the glory of the Lord fell. And I believe this is something similar to the prayer that Elijah would have prayed. He said, when, Lord, you said when the heavens are shut up and when there is no rain because they have sinned against thee. If they would pray and turn towards the east. If they would turn towards this place and confess your name and turn from their sin. When they are afflicted and them, then you will hear from heaven. And their sins and thy servants and thy people of Israel teach them the good way. And when they walk and give rain upon the land which thou hast given to the people for thine inheritance. It is the inheritance of the Lord to send rain on these children. It's his inheritance. It is our inheritance to have revival. It's our heritage and our inheritance to have a move of God. And I feel the Holy Ghost in the house this morning. It is my inheritance as a child of God to receive the rain from the latter. God answered that prayer of Solomon. He said, if my people who are called by my name will turn from their wicked way and seek my face and pray, I will from hear from heaven and I will heal their land. Jeremiah chapter 5, neither do they say in their heart that it is the fear of the Lord our God that giveth in the former, in both the former and the latter in his season. He reserves on the us the appointed of weeks. Hosea chapter 10, so do yourselves in righteousness Reap in mercy, break up the fallow ground for it's time to seek the Lord till he come and rain righteousness upon you. You might feel like you've been planned for months. I've been doing nothing but planned, but just don't. I just don't feel anything. I'm just praying alone. What's the answer this morning? I say keep planning. Keep planning that ground and the Lord will send the rains of righteousness upon you. He's saying I'll send the rain. I'll send the type of the Holy Ghost. Joel and his prophecy. Never knew it, but his ministry actually coincided with Obadiah, who was the prophet of Ahab. He also saw the nation ravished by three and a half years of drought. God spoke to them through the prophet Joel, saying, I will restore the years that the palmer worm and the canker worm and the caterpillar and the locusts have destroyed. For in the last days of God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. He was talking to them about rain that was going to be poured out. But he wasn't talking about the restoration of trees and grass and crops this morning, friends. What he was talking about was the restoration of human lives upon our sons and our daughters. It's for our sons and our daughters. We need revival once again. If we'll repair the altars and if we'll turn back our hearts to God, God says the little grey clouds this morning... They're full of rain. He says, I'll pour out my spirit upon your sons and our daughters. I wish I could reach them this morning, friends. I wish I could. I wish I could reach them. We can pray for our loved ones. We can pray for our children. We can pray for our families. Friends, I can pray for my children. But I can't reach them, friends. It's going to take the rain. How many are willing to pray for rain this morning? Elijah said to his servant, I've repaired the altar. The people's hearts have been turned back to God. Now go and look, he's going to send rain. But why did Elijah, this is me definitely finished. 
Why did Elijah choose Carmel? Never seen this before in Scripture. Why did he choose out of all the places to go to Samaria? Why was it, why was it that Elijah chose Mount Carmel? Carmel in the, hum, in the Hebrew tongue means garden land. It means a place of fertility. It means a place of growth. If there was fruit to grow in the land, you would have expected it to grow on Mount Carmel. You would have expected Carmel was the place there was to be a harvest to be reaped. You would have expected it to be Carmel. You would have expected to see in full bloom. Elijah chose that place because Carmel was God's garden land. And God spoke to my heart so clearly when I was looking at this. He says throughout his scripture, my people are my garden. He says I've invested in them. I've sown in them. I've poured into them my commandments. They have fertile seed on the inside of them. Pastor Tim has been pouring in. He's been encouraging us to go on. He's been telling us that God's going to send a revival. He's been encouraging us, correcting us, keeping us up, keeping us going. Keep speaking the word of the Lord. Keep going. Keep trying. Keep moving on. God's going to come. God's going to bless. God's going to save your family. God's going to heal. God's going to deliver. The word of the Lord has been coming. And Tim's been passing it through. God's been passing it through Tim. And he's been planting it in these hearts. Keep going. Keep believing. God's not finished yet. God hasn't finished with you. God's going to send revival. God's going to save your family. God hasn't finished with you this morning. He's been pouring it in. Sometimes it's been like he's been digging a lot. He's been digging up the fertile ground. He's been digging up the fallow ground. He's been breaking it up. He's been pouring. He's been encouraging, correcting, urging us to keep going, keep believing, keep trusting that revival's going to come. God's been pouring his seed in through his servant. God has placed promises. He's placed his word. He's placed very valuable, precious seed into hearts and lives in this, in this room this morning. But you know the only thing we need for it to bloom? You know the only thing we need to, for it to produce a harvest? Is for the reign of the Holy Ghost to come and reign upon it. You see, in the land of Israel, God would send a former rain and a latter rain. And when the seed was planted in the ground, he would send a rain. And that way the seed would get the water that it needed to germinate and bud. But then there would be a great rain right before the harvest. And that rain would come down and give sustenance to the ground to where the harvest could be fruitful and God would multiply. But notice what it says in Joel. Be glad, your children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God. He has given you the former rain and moderately and he will cause to come down to you the rain the former rain and the latter in the first month. He said, I'm going to give you the former and the latter rain that your harvest might be full. That you may reap a harvest in your life. It goes on to say that your floors shall be full of wheat. The vats shall overflow with wine and oil. And I will restore unto you the years that the locusts have eaten. The canker worm, the caterpillar, the palmer worm and my great army which I've sent unto you. You shall eat in plenty and be satisfied. And praise the name of the Lord your God. And you shall know in the midst of Israel that I am the Lord your God and none else. And that I have dealt wondrously with my people. And my people shall never be ashamed. And it shall come to pass that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. The former and the former and the latter rain. And that your sons and your daughters and your servants and your handmaidens. I'll pour out my spirit upon them. God promises he'll send rain. God has planted the seeds of the gospel inside these hearts this morning, friends. All we need is the Holy Ghost rain to come down and water it in our lives this morning to be fruitful. Elijah chose Mark Carmel because of its fertility. God has chosen the altar and the church to pour out his blessing upon us. I don't know about you this morning, but I'm hungry for the rains. Of revival. I'm ready for the rains of revival. I'm tired of being dry and empty. But friends, if you're thirsty for more, these altars are open this morning. This altar is your carmel. This altar is the place where you can meet with God. He promised us rain in due season. This morning, let's step out of our pew where we are and come to this altar. 
Let us come and believe God that he said he would send rain if we turn our hearts back to him. Let us come this morning if we're dry, if we're sick in our body, let us come and we'll pray for you this morning. Lord, send the rains of revival. Lord, touch our children and make us fruitful. Will you believe for a touch in your body this morning? Will you believe for a touch in your mind? Will you believe for a touch in our church? We must get on our knees and come to the altar. We must pray, oh God, let us have the reins of revival once again. What's your need this morning? God's provided an altar. Let us pray for his mercy this morning. Friends, we need the rain. We need the reins of revival to fall once again in these lives. He's promised you. He's promised you, friends. It's a great rain. Rain is coming. Revival is coming. Keep going. Keep praying. Keep singing. Keep believing. And let us push on. Friends, I want to tell you, the fields are white on the harvest. God is about to move. I can tell you, I can see a cloud. I can see a cloud the size of a man's hand. And I'll tell you, there's going to be a great moment. I'll tell you, God's moving. Give us this church. Give us the building behind us. What, so we can sit in it? No. Give us it to win the souls of Balmahage. Friends, he's going to move. He's going to move. Let us come this morning. Dear, you come this morning. If you need prayer this morning, you want to get to the altar. Because I know I've stumbled and whatever else through this word, but I do believe God is speaking. The only way that revival came, Elijah knew he's promised me that I'm going to get but I'm going to get to the altar. I'm going to get to the altar of God. God, you've promised. You've promised me revival. You've promised me the salvation of my kids. You've promised me the salvation of my loved ones. God, we need to come back to the altar once again. In Jesus' name.